Well, I'm excited to talk with you guys today about finding your purpose in life. And welcome to those of you who are watching over in The Point. For anyone who doesn't know, The Point is a venue we have on site. It's kind of like a chapel. And in The Point, they have free donuts and coffee. So, hello, Point people. We're a little bit jealous, okay? But enjoy. Enjoy your donuts and coffee over there. Hey, uh, I'm really excited to get into our text today, but first I have to tell you guys a kind of funny story about my life. Some of you know I'm working through a health condition called vestibular neuritis. It's a, uh, you've got two balanced nerves in your body, one on your right ear and one on your left, and some kind of virus or something attacked the one on my right ear. It's kind of like Bell's palsy. They don't know exactly why it happens, but I saw the doctor this last week, and the, the specialist on this, he said... Humanly speaking, now I know God can heal it, but he said, humanly speaking, the nerve won't ever actually heal. My brain will just use my left balance nerve more and more to compensate. So I'd say I'm at about 85%. I'm trusting God to keep giving me all the strength I need, but I can function now for the most part. I get a little tipsy at times, uh, not, not for other reasons, but I get tipsy <laughs> and in the dark I, have, I struggle a little bit, but uh, I'm just glad to have permission to be driving again, though it's a little bit like uh, clear the road, I'm, I'm 16 kind of driving. <laughs> so I've kind of taken my time because I can't swivel my head too fast. And the other day I was just taking my time and all of a sudden this guy blew past me and he gave me the one-fingered salute as he did. And I just thought, I honestly have no idea what I did there. Um, I, I don't know why I upset him so much. I truly don't know. And it reminded me of this email joke that I had read years ago. And I looked it up and I was just laughing out loud because it kind of describes me right now. So I thought I'd share this with you guys um, and hopefully you enjoy it as much as I did, okay? Grandma's 88 years old and still drives her own car. She recently wrote this to a friend. The other day, I went to our local Christian bookstore and saw a Honk If You Love Jesus bumper sticker. Well, I was feeling particularly sassy, so I bought the sticker and put it on my bumper. Boy, am I glad I did. What an uplifting experience that followed. I was stopped at a red light at a busy intersection, just lost in thought about the Lord and how good He is, and I didn't notice that the light had changed. Well, it's a good thing someone else loves Jesus, because if He hadn't honked, I'd never have noticed. I found that lots of people love Jesus. While I was sitting there, this guy behind started honking like crazy, and then he leaned out of his window and screamed, for the love of God, go, go. What an exuberant cheerleader for Jesus he was. Then everyone started honking. I just leaned out my window and started waving and smiling at all those loving people. I even honked my own horn a few times just to share in the love. I saw one guy waving in a funny way with only his middle finger stuck up in the air. I asked my teenage grandson in the back seat what that meant. My grandson said it was probably a Hawaiian good luck sign or something. <laughs> well, I've never met anyone from Hawaii, so I leaned out the window and gave him the good luck sign right back. A couple of the people were so caught up in the joy of the moment that they got out of their cars and started walking toward me. I bet they wanted to pray or maybe ask what church I attended, but this is when I noticed that the light had changed. So grinning, I waved at all my brothers and sisters and drove on through the intersection. I noticed that I was the only car to make it through the intersection before the light changed again. 
And I felt kind of sad to leave them all there after the love we shared. <laughs> so I slowed down the car, leaned out the window, and gave them all the Hawaiian good luck sign <laughs> one last time as I drove away. <laughs> so if you're in the area and you're stuck behind an old Toyota SUV with big tires on it, you'll know that uh, my intentions are as pure as hers, okay? I'm, I'm trying to be a good driver out there. Well, I'm really excited to share with you what we're going to learn today because it's something that has really changed my life, and it's this idea of moving from making a living to making a life. Making a living is when, you know, you, you got a roof over your head and there's some food in your belly and you go from day to day, you know, you get up, you go to work or you cash your social security check or whatever else and you kind of, you got the necessities checked off, but over time you start to realize you're lacking a deeper fulfillment or a burning, driving purpose for your life. You're making a living maybe, but you're not making a life. There was a time when I was working as a news reporter and journalist, and my career was going well, and financially I was hitting the goals I wanted to be hitting, and somebody posed this question to me, and it was a life-changing moment for me when I really spent about a week thinking about my own life and thinking, am I really making a life, or am I just making a living? Do I have, you know, just momentary kind of times of pleasure that feel good in a relatively boring and meaningless life? Or do I have a deep sense of underlying fulfillment, a sense of driving passion that holds my life together even in the difficult times? And as a reporter, I started looking around and I started to notice that, you know, there were people who had uh, 20 cars and 20 garages and multiple homes who didn't have this sense of fulfillment. And there were people who had no car and no garage who did. I started to realize that the American assumption that fulfillment and purpose come from material things is kind of a flawed assumption. There's nothing wrong with material things. But if we look to material things to deliver our deep fulfillment and purpose, we will ultimately be disappointed. And the sad thing is some people don't realize that until they're 60, 70 years old and you know, far along in life and all of a sudden realize, wow, these material things that I thought would give me fulfillment and purpose, I've gotten them, but I still don't have fulfillment and purpose. So wherever you are in your journey, I wanna share with you today from God's word the answer to this question. How do you experience lasting fulfillment and lifelong purpose? How can you and I experience a, a deep sense of fulfillment that doesn't change with our health or with our age or with our finances, and how can we experience a lifelong purpose? Uh, anyone else want to know the answer to that question? Anyone else relate to the sense of kind of getting up, going to work, paying the bills? You know, you've, you've done a few things you wanted to do in life, but there's just this kind of little bit of nagging sense in the basement of your soul or spirit that there's got to be a little bit something more. Anyone else ever felt that way? Well, God answers this question, and what we do here every weekend is we'll wrestle with one of these hard questions of life, and we always look to the Word of God to say, how does God answer this question? So here's one of God's answers to this question in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. And that word masterpiece, that's actually a Greek word from which we get our word poem. It's the word poema. So it's this idea of, 
of something that is crafted. You know, the difference between a poem and an email is the craftsmanship that goes into it, the time and the care and the intent. And the thing with you is that God made you not on a factory assembly line where you're like everyone else, but he made you an individual handcrafted masterpiece, a poema, a unique and beautiful expression of God's nature and image. And just like you've got your own fingerprint, and just like your eyes are different than anyone else's eyes in all of human history, there's a print on your soul and in your mind and in your spirit and in your intellect that no one else is wired exactly like you. You are God's masterpiece. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. This is talking about that moment in your life where you place your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you've never done that before, you can do it today. Salvation, as God calls it, knowing that you will have eternal life in heaven is a free gift that we receive. And we receive it by believing that Jesus died on the cross for us. And the moment we do that, we are taken out of darkness and adopted into the family of God, into God's light. And we are created anew. We call it sometimes regeneration. God starts to recreate you from the inside out, starting spiritually with your soul. And there's a purpose for this. And the purpose in this world is this. God recreates you. He starts to remake you from the inside out as a follower of Christ so that you can do the good things that he has planned for us long ago. Or one translation says, the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So the idea is that before you were born, before God knit you together in your mother's womb, he already had specific good things in mind that you can do in your life and that only you can do. And what I've learned and what this text teaches us is that that is the gateway to fulfillment and purpose is when you find your identity in God and then you start to live out the purposes for which he's created you. These are unique custom purposes that God has for you that I could never do, that no one else could ever do. You could summarize it this way. You were created for a good purpose. You were created for a good purpose. It's a very simple statement, but if you personalize it and allow it to soak into your identity and soul, it's a very profound statement. You're not an accident. Your life is about more than just surviving. You were created for a purpose. There's a purpose for you to play in the human story, in human history that no one else can play. There are good things designed for your hands to do and for your heart to do that no one else could do. And the purpose for which God created you is a good purpose. I've found in life that you will be the most frustrated and empty when you don't know your purpose and when you're not discovering these good things. But on the positive side, I've found that you will be the most fulfilled when you are discovering and when you're experiencing these good works for which God created you. My wife, Mel, she loves killer whales. They're like her favorite animal, you know, big orca whales. And she made me watch this documentary about a year ago about orca whales in captivity. And orca whales in captivity is really fascinating. You know, these whales are created and designed to swim hundreds or even thousands of miles at a time. Uh, these orca whales, literally, they swim all around the world. And this documentary she had me watch, it showed that when an orca whale is in captivity, one of these huge whales in a tank about the size of this room, 
that after a little while, that dorsal fin on the top starts to kind of flop over to the side. And I was thinking about this principle that God's teaching us today. I was thinking about you and your life, us and our lives. And here's the thing. You got to know God doesn't want you swimming through life with a, a floppy dorsal fin. He doesn't want you cooped up in some little tank where, yeah, you're getting fed every day and you're kind of making it, but you're not thriving. God designed you to thrive and you will thrive as you swim in the open seas that he has planned for you, the good plans that he has for you. Well, question, let's see, raise of hands for any dog lovers. Do we have any dog lovers with us? All right, I am. I'm glad to see in this service because we have an eight o'clock service and hardly any hands went up and I realized that I was among cat people and I got a little nervous because <laughs> I, I like cats okay, but I, I really love dogs. And uh, here's a, another question. Raise your hand if you've ever uh, in the past or presently owned a lab. Anyone ever had a lab? Okay, good. So the other thing we could do is just look at your shoes, right? Everyone who has the chewed up shoes has had a lab, also known full name as a Labrador retriever, because these dogs were bred for a purpose. They're created for a purpose, and that is to run and fetch things. And if a lab has lots of exercise, it's a very happy dog. But if a lab does not have enough exercise, it will exercise itself by destroying your house. So I know this because we had a lab when we lived in Arizona. Here's our lab, Mater, when he was a puppy with Jack. When Jack was a puppy, Mater was just a great, great dog. We loved him so much. When we moved from Arizona to California, we had to leave Mater with some friends, and it, it broke our hearts. But we learned owning a lab that you got to exercise those things because they're created to run. And if you coop up a dog that's made to run in a house all day, it will get frustrated, it will chew things. Sometimes dogs get depressed if they don't get enough exercise, or some of them, some breeds, will get kind of dangerous because they're unfulfilled. And I thought, what a picture of us. You know, some of us, were a little unfulfilled in life, we're kind of chewing things up in life because we're not doing what we were created to do. I found some pictures of dogs who did not get enough exercise and they had to let out their energy some other way because they weren't doing what they were created to do. Here's the first one. This sign says, I went into my mom's purse while she was asleep, ate a tube of bright red lipstick, and chewed up three $1 bills. This dog, just look at the face of this next dog. You can see the shame. See the shame. This dog knows what it has done, okay? She put me on a diet, so I ate her shoe. <laughs> yeah, this, one, this next one's probably my favorite one of all. My house was under attack by a new $700 Roomba. That's a robot vacuum cleaner. I saved us. <laughs> you know, when we don't know our purpose in life, we tend to chew things up. And here's what God's teaching us today. Just as much as a dog is bred for a purpose, you are bred for a purpose. Not only the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm, God has created you for a purpose, and you will be the most fulfilled when you discover what it is, and then when you run in it. You know, for a while, Mel and I, we lived in a very urban area, and one of my desires for my kids was that they'd have open spaces where they could run and be kids, because that's part of what they're created to do. So Friday's my day off, and this last Friday, I got to go out on a short hike with Jack. I was pleased to be out and about again, and Jack and I were walking on this trail, and then Jack just said, Dad, let's run. 
uh, which I couldn't really do like him, but he just took off running, and I snapped this picture of him when he did, and I just thought, you know, as a father, that's my heart for my son. Isn't that your guys' heart for your kids? The, the people you love, you want to see them running in life. You want to see them find the paths that were created for them, and you want to see them running. And what God wants you to understand today is that that is his heart toward you. Do you know that God wants you to succeed and be fulfilled more than you do even? And God knows better than you or I what those paths are, and we find them as we seek him, and that's what we're learning today in God's word. Let's look at our text again, and let's look at some of the verses leading up to what we read. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 say this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Some of you have memorized this in an older translation, for by grace are you saved through faith. See, our salvation as followers of Christ, the forgiveness of our sins, and the confidence that if we're to die today, that we'd immediately be with God in heaven, it comes by receiving the free gift that Christ gives us by dying on the cross for our sins. So your salvation doesn't come from doing good deeds. We're going to talk today about these good things that God created you to do. But it's important, God says in the context of this, that you understand you're not doing these good things to try to earn your salvation. You're not doing these good things because you're afraid of God and you're trying to buy his favor. You're not doing these good things because you're trying to work your way to heaven. God says actually none of us could do enough good things to work our way to heaven. There's only one person who could, and that was Jesus Christ, who is God in human form. And what happens when you place your faith in Christ, when you have a moment in your life and you just say, God, I know I've made mistakes, I know I'm broken, I believe you died on the cross for me, Jesus, I receive your gift of salvation, will you be the one who directs my life? When you receive that gift... His rightness or righteousness gets accredited to you. So if you imagine your spiritual state as a bank account, before you place your faith in Christ, you're overdrawn, you're overdrafted. You're not only at zero, you're in the negative, okay? When you place your faith in Christ, the righteousness, the spiritual value of Christ gets accredited to you. And now there's hundreds of millions of dollars in your spiritual bank account, not because you earned them, but because you receive them by having the humility to say, God, I need your help. I receive your gift of salvation. For it's by grace we're saved through faith. And this is not of ourselves. It's a work of God, or you could put it this way. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so that none of us can boast about it. So here's the important thing is we talk about the good things God has created you to do the word of God says in the context, the motivation's very important. We don't go downtown and pick up a soup ladle and feed homeless people because we're ashamed or because we're guilty or because we're hoping if we do enough good things, God will let us into heaven. No, as followers of Christ, we know when we placed our faith in Christ, we've been adopted into the family of God, our salvation is secure, but now we're gonna start to find out from that identity that we have been created to do good things and to run in them in a joyful way, just like orca whales are created to swim and labs are created to retrieve and eight-year-old boys are created to run on trails. You were created to do good things and you do them because it's what God made you to do and you find your fulfillment in it, not out of shame or out of guilt. And then verse 10 says this, for we are God's 
masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Before you were even born, God had specific good things planned for you to do. You know, this word masterpiece, let's just say, let's just say this together. Just, I, I want you to just close your eyes. I'm going to say it, and then I'll have you repeat it after me. But just think about this with your eyes closed. I'm a masterpiece. Okay, let's say it together. I'm a masterpiece. Let's do it once more. I'm a masterpiece. Now, if you're like me, you might have a hard time. You can open your eyes, by the way. You might have a time, hard time believing that. And so here's what I want to say. Two simple things. First of all, God loves you even when you do not. We've been learning that in this series. And really, the Christian life is learning that through all the different seasons of life, all the ups and downs, all the stages of life, learning God deeply loves me even on the days that I look in the mirror and in the mirror and I don't love me. His love for me is unchanging. And th this speaks to our identity. And this is the core of our salvation, believing Jesus died on the cross for you because he loves you. And, and, and you know, some of you don't struggle with self-confidence. So you're like, yeah, great. You know, I like me too. You know, <laughs> good for you guys. Okay, you really self-confident people. Great. For some of us, it's an act of faith to believe that God actually loves me even when I don't. Now, here's the next step, and it's what we're learning today. Just as much as God loves me, even if I don't see lovable things in me, in the same way, God has woven specific gifts into me, even if I don't see them. You know, you might look at yourself and think, okay, John, this is a neat idea that God made me for a specific purpose, but you don't understand me. You know, I never did that well in school. I'm kind of the runt of the litter. I'm the youngest. I've never, you know, I'm just, I don't really have anything to offer. You might feel that way, but here's the reality about you that God declares in his word. God has woven specific gifts into you, and whether or not you see them, they're there. And the joy, the adventure, the exploration of the Christian life is finding your identity, not from yourself, but in your Father and your Creator. And as you find your identity, you step out to say, God, what have you created me to do? And over time, you'll start to experience and discover things that you never thought you could do. If you had told me back when I was a journalist and a news reporter that someday I would be teaching God's Word to thousands of people, I would have laughed at you. I, would, I never would have imagined that that's what God had wired me to do. You need to know that what God has wired you to do is just as important as what I do or what anyone else does in the kingdom of God. He has a specific good works for you, specific path of good works that no one else can walk in. There's people you'll touch that no one else can touch. And so for some of us, today is just a step of faith to say, okay, if God says this about me, if he says I'm a crafted masterpiece in his hands, then I'm going to start to believe that by faith, even if I don't see it. We walk by faith and not by sight. Well, we're talking today about fulfillment, and no one is fulfilled in life if they've not answered these three basic questions, three basic questions we all need answered. And the first one is identity. The question is, who am I? Everyone in the world, regardless of their religion or their race or their gender, is, is searching for the answer to this question. Who am I? What is my identity? Next thing, if you want to be deeply fulfilled in life, is to have a sense of belonging. And that's what we learned about last week, that as children of God, we find our belonging when we're together with the people of God. And the third thing that all humans need to have answered is purpose. Why do I exist? 
Maybe you've seen this if you've traveled to poor regions of the world, undeveloped regions of the world, where you'll find tribes of people who um, really all they have is their very, very basic necessities. They don't have any of our modern conveniences or luxuries, and their lifespans are much shorter because they don't have our medicine. But very often you'll find that these people are much more joyful than Americans. And it's, not, and it's true especially if they've found Christ, but it's also true in some tribes where they don't even know about Christ yet. Why is that? Well, in their little tribe, they have a very clear sense of who they are and where they belong and what their purpose is. And, and so even if you don't believe in God or Jesus or the Bible yet, you still will find fulfillment in life as you answer these three questions. Now, what I've found in my life, what we've experienced in this community and in this room and what the Word of God teaches us is that you'll find the deepest and the most lasting answers to these questions in Christ. You can find some sense of identity, belonging, purpose, and other things, but those things are temporary. In Christ, you find identity and purpose and belonging that can never be taken away from you, even when you breathe your last breath on earth. And so in Christ, we answer the question of who am I and it changes from I'm a journalist or I'm an architect or I'm an engineer or I'm a repair person or I'm a teacher to I'm a child of God. And no matter if I'm retired, no matter if I've breathed my last breath on earth, my identity will never change. I'm a child of God, that's who I am. And our identity becomes secure. Now what do I do? Well, I, I used to do work as a journalist, now I do work as a pastor, but who am I? I'm a child of God and our identity becomes secure. What we're learning about ourselves in this series, I discover my deepest identity in God. I discover my deepest identity in God. And last week we learned I will experience belonging when I'm together with God's people. And I mentioned how my three kiddos, I love them so much, and if one of them ever ran away from home, they would still be my child, I would still love them, but they would miss out on the sense of belonging that they have when they're together with their siblings in my house. And it's that way for you as a Christian. God loves you whether or not you show up to church, okay? But when you gather with your brothers and sisters, you will experience a sense of belonging that you can't experience out there on your own. And today we're talking about purpose, you're a masterpiece with a purpose. I was thinking about this uh, this last week, and I, the word came to my mind, functional masterpiece. Yeah, you, know, you think of some famous pieces of art like the Mona Lisa hanging in a museum, and it's a masterpiece, sure, but it doesn't really function. It just kind of sits there on a shelf. And you are a masterpiece in God, according to Ephesians 2.10, that was created in Christ Jesus to do something. You're a functional masterpiece. Now, as a guy, when I think, a car guy especially, when I think of a functional masterpiece, uh, here's what I think of. Here's what I think of. 1969 Camaro SS in hugger orange, or, you know, or navy blue with white stripes would not be bad either, okay? But that is, that is a functional masterpiece, right? It looks beautiful, but it also functions. It does something. And this is what God is teaching us. In Christ, you, you are a functional masterpiece. Now, bear with me if you're not a car person like I am, but we just have to look at a couple more functional masterpieces, okay? <laughs> Perhaps the most beautiful car ever hammered into existence, the Ferrari 250 GTO. 
I, I have a confession to make. When I prepare for my messages, I print up all these slides and I lay them out on a table in my office and I pray over it and I think about you guys and I pray over you. And I did not pray for you quite as much this week because my, my, I, my eye just kept going back to this slide in the middle of the table. It's just, just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful car. It's a functional masterpiece. Uh, in close competition for perhaps the most beautiful functional masterpiece ever made would be this from Carol Shelby. The Shelby Cobra. You guys have seen Shelby Cobras that are convertibles, but this is the Cobra Daytona Coupe. I think they only made six of these. I mean, oh. I'm surprised we're not getting some amens here because maybe you're all like Chrysler people and you're like, there's no Hemis in here, so I'm not amening, but... Oh my goodness, you know, these are masterpieces that function. And, and if you hear one of those engines start up, I mean, you can feel the vibrations, you feel the thing rumbling, you can hear it and you can feel it and you can see it and it does something. So it's beautiful, but it also does something. And God says, you are a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus as a master craftsman, your hand crafted to do. So there's races for you to run, there's trails for you to run, there's oceans for you to swim, there's a purpose. And what we're learning is this, I find fulfillment when I discover my unique purpose for which God crafted me. Now your purpose will be the intersection of a number of things, your genetic hardwiring, your spiritual gifting when you place your faith in Christ the Holy Spirit deposits into you a spiritual gift. Your background, your skills, your, even your family upbringing, even the difficulties you've been through. God, as a master craftsman, he, he takes all that together and he pounds and he hammers and he shapes and he makes you into a functional masterpiece. And just like that Ferrari 250 GTO, I mean, if you've ever heard of Ferrari V12, it's, it's just a heavenly sound. It's a it is a beautiful sound, and it's when you're running, it's when you're do. it's, you know, not just sitting in a garage gathering dust, but doing what you were created to do, that you're going to experience fulfillment at the deepest level. Well, what happens when you start to do the good things that Christ has crafted you to do? First thing is that your unique purpose, it will nourish or feed other people, and it will fulfill you. It will nourish or feed other people, and it will also fulfill you. I want to show you some pictures in just a minute of uh, some guys who know Christ because of a brother in our church named Bruce Bigelow. Bruce uh, serves downtown at the Salvation Army Rehab Center, and he has a way, God has wired him to connect to guys on the street who um, are addicted to either alcohol or drugs, and Bruce just has a special way of connecting with them and feeding them physically and then connecting them to Christ. Here's a picture of some of these guys from Salvation Army. Uh, every couple months, we'll have a bunch of them here, and many of you serve. You can see a whole bunch of our Connection Point people here uh, by uh, cooking dinner for them. We have a big kind of celebration dinner or feast here for them, and many of you are part of that. And here's a picture I want to show you. Because of Bruce and because of many of you, this is a number of these Salvation Army guys who were on the street. They were, they were homeless. They were there because of addictions. They've now come to know Christ. And at our baptism weekend two weeks ago, these are guys who were baptized here because of Bruce. Now, Bruce 
has a, a, a journey like each of us, where there was a time in his life where he didn't know that he was called to be in downtown Indy helping guys at the Salvation Army. He got there by exploring, God, what have you created me to do? Uh, and, and I want to encourage you, if you think, okay, John, I get the concept, I kind of believe it, but I have no idea where to start, I would just encourage you, start serving somewhere. And I'll give you some opportunities at the end of this service of how you can start serving somewhere. You know, in my experience, I now know what has God as a craftsman created me to do. Well, there's some things that change with season, right? Like right now, I'm a dad. And 30 years from now, when my kids are my age, that'll look a little different. That'll change a little bit as life changes. But I've learned that spiritually, God gave me a gift in the body of Christ called the gift of teaching. But I didn't learn that overnight. It took about 10 years of exploring. And, you know, I started volunteering with kids. And it was so fulfilling, especially because I didn't have kids at that time. And, uh, for you know, now that I'm a parent, I know how stressful kids can be. But when I was just a, vol- as just a volunteer, it's great. It's kind of like being a grandparent. You know, you've got them for an hour, and you just get to play games with them and help them have a fun time. And that's where I started. And then I started hosting a small group. And then I started kind of teaching in the small group. I went on mission trips to different parts of the world and to poor parts of the world where you help build houses. And I learned, okay, I can hammer stuff, but I'm not nearly as good as that guy at hammering stuff. And over time, I started to learn. And there was this time in my small group where we were all together and I was just sharing with them something I had learned from the Bible. And one of them said, John, you do realize that teaching is your spiritual gift, right? No, I had not realized that. It was this life-changing moment for me. And it happened because I just went out there and just started serving wherever there was a need. So I want to encourage you, if you're thinking, I don't know where to start. I don't know what my gift is. Just start serving somewhere. Start meeting needs in the body of Christ. And as you do that, and by faith you believe God has created me for a purpose, eventually you're going to find your specific thing. It might be that God has given you the gift of hospitality, and you can take a living room, which is just a room with some furniture, and a small group can come into your house, and you just have a gift to make those people just feel comfortable and at home. That's a spiritual gift called hospitality. There's a spiritual gift called administration, people who are good at organizing things. There's a spiritual gift of giving of people who've been blessed by God and they give financially. There's a spiritual gift of evangelism. That's actually what Bruce has and why he goes downtown and connects these guys to Jesus. Your gift is just as valuable as my gift. No one gift is any more or less important than any other gift. But what's universal about it is we all experience fulfillment as we get on the journey of discovering our gift. Well, there's another thing that happens as you start to do this, and it's that in the process... You will help others see God and know their value. You saw the picture of those guys from Salvation Army downtown. They have seen God, experienced God, and they now know their value because Bruce is out there using his spiritual gift. And the same is true for you. You might think, well, I'm not that good with words. Whatever my gift is, it probably not, doesn't have to do with talking. That doesn't matter. Actions speak so much louder than words. Your gift might be the gift of serving, and by helping people physically, they see God through you. There's a a team of guys here who pray with me before this service. That's one of their gifts, and it always just ministers so deeply to me and then helps me minister more to you all. One of those guys on that prayer team, he has that gift of service. 
and he owns a landscaping company. And in addition to the work that his company does, there are schools and churches and places all around Indianapolis that get their landscaping taken care of because he has realized this is his gift. And there are people who see the heart of God and know God because this guy's out there, our brother, serving with his gifts. I'll tell you just one more story about this. Here's a picture of Christy Flynn. Christy's one of our sisters here in the church, and her gift is working with our little ones. And so she volunteers in Kid City. Kid City, if you're not familiar with it, is our equivalent of what long ago would have been called Sunday school. It's where our little ones learn who Jesus is and what their identity is in Jesus. Well, not the child in Christie's lap in this picture, but there was another preschooler who was in Christie's small group class. And the mom wrote into our children's ministry and said this. Essentially, this little guy was going through major life changes at his school and in his family. And so all of a sudden, he started to stammer and stutter and have a whole bunch of anxiety. And he was just about to change grades here at Kid City. And so this mom wrote in and said, is there any way one of his teachers, when he changes grades, could change grades with him? Well, Christy was actually already planning on doing this. And so Christy did change grades with him. And the mom was so thrilled at the stability this gave to her little guy. She actually brought in coffee to Christy to just thank Christy for giving him that stability. Did you guys know our kids and students ministry here uh, I, I think it's the best within about 50 miles of here. And one of my favorite things about it is your child gets, or grandchild gets paired with a small group leader who very often will do that and keep progressing with them all the way up to 12th grade. So I was talking the other day to a brother in our church. What God has called him to do is be a mentor or a disciple maker to these young men. He's got a group of uh, seniors in high school right now. But the beautiful thing, this group of six guys, and he's one of their two small group leaders, they have all been together since they were in sixth grade. So if you can imagine your, your kid or grandkid having peers who are their age, and as their body changes and, and their schools change and everything else, they're aging from sixth grade to 12th grade. They have a consistent mentor discipler who is walking with them through all of that, as well as their peer group of other Christ followers saying, here's what it looks like to follow Jesus now. Here's how you handle that struggle. Here's how you respond to this situation. Some of you in here, if you don't know where to start serving, we've got a great uh, process to train you, including a background check, and then you get paired up and you get to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship in a deep way, and it's just deeply, deeply fulfilling. Well, there's a third thing that happens when you start to explore the good works Christ has crafted you to do, and it's that you will bring joy to your creator and you will fulfill eternal purposes. You know, when I think of my kids when they're playing, one of my favorite things is to watch their choices. Now, there's times as a dad that their choices really bug me and I have to redirect them or train them or teach them, but there's other times where I will watch to see what they choose, and with their free will, they choose something that is good. They choose to share, or they just choose something that's fun, or that's beautiful, or that's healthy, and it brings joy to me as a dad. And did you know that when you choose to use your life, not just, you know, filling your belly and meeting your needs, that's nothing wrong with those things, but when you choose to say, I'm going to use my life to go out and do the good things God created me to do, it actually brings joy to your creator. 
Sometimes you'll hear Christians talk about glorifying God, and that's what that Christianese phrase really means, is bringing joy and glory to your creator. And not only that, as you discover and explore and step out to learn the good works God has for you, it does eternal, it accomplishes eternal purposes. And very simply what that means is that 50 years from now or 100 years from now, when we are all together in God's presence, if you will be intentional about getting out and serving with your gifts, there will be people who will be in heaven for all of eternity because of you. Whether your gift is serving or administration or compassion or giving or mercy or evangelism, whatever your gift is, God weaves all of our gifts together. And as we use them, he reaches people who will come to know him and be with him for eternity because of you using your gifts. I'm able to stand on this stage and use my gift because many of you have paid for this stage and because somebody put in the lights and because someone else is running the sound and someone else is running the video cameras. When we all put our gifts together, we reach people who we could never reach. And in this life, we can't comprehend the value of it fully. We can't fully grasp it. But 100 years from now, when we look back and we see that earth was temporary and our houses were hotels, and the land we thought we owned, we were renting because we only had 70 or 80 or 90 years here anyway, and everything was temporary, and then we see there are eternal souls who are masterpieces created by God, who are with us and with God for eternity. People are God's most valuable possession, and they're there because we used our gifts. We'll realize, thank you, Lord, I got to be part of your eternal purposes, and that's what he has created you to do. Well, let's look just once again at this Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe. <laughs> My goodness. So idolatry is a sin. We're not supposed to worship created things, but we can look at that and just say, God, thank you that you made man and that you made mankind with a woman, I mean, with a mind to create this kind of beauty. It was just amazing. Okay, sorry. So here's the thing about a Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe or any car is it's got all these different parts that work together. And God describes us as a body of Christ as all these parts that work together, you know. And if you're familiar with cars, you know, you know, alternator serves a purpose, a starter serves a purpose, and a, a camshaft serves a purpose, and a suspension bushing, they all have their own purpose. And it's when we all come together combining our gifts that we really, really experience this fulfillment. So I want to help you find your purpose, and I want to give you three simple action items today. The first one is to get the wheels turning. Uh, here's what I mean. We'll do a quick, a quick survey. Raise your hand if you've ever driven a car or truck or tractor that did not have power steering. Anyone know? Okay. So, if, so those of you who haven't, if you've only driven newer cars that have power steering, you know, a newer car with power steering, as long as the engine's running, uh, or even if the key's in it now with these electrical uh, power steering systems, uh, you can kind of turn the steering wheel even if you're parked. There's a motor that's helping you do that. If a car doesn't have power steering and you're just sitting still, it's very, very hard to turn the wheels. And so when people ask me as a pastor and they say, God, or John, how do I find God's will for my life? How do I find God's plan for my life? Um, I, I tell them two things. First is the verse Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's the first thing. But the second thing is get moving. 
If you start to roll, if you start to move forward, that wheel becomes very easy to turn, even if a car does not have power steering. And what I've found in my life, and we see the principle in God's word, is if you're moving forward, if you're going somewhere, it's much easier uh, to turn the wheel. And you'll find as you ask God to direct you that he'll start turning the wheel. So kind of like in my experience that I shared with you guys, when, when God really got a hold of my heart and I started serving with my gifts... You know, I served with kids, I served with teenagers, I served on mission trips, I, I did just wherever there was a need, and it was through that process of moving forward that God had the wheel and he slowly revealed to me over a course of years that teaching God's word, connecting God's word to people is what I was created to do. And, and I now know that, and I know that no matter how my health is, no matter what my finances are, no matter what my emotions are, I know what I was created to do. And so I know my identity in Christ, I know where I belong, and I know my purpose, and I have this deep fulfillment that can't be stripped away from me in this life. And God wants that same thing for you. So get the wheels turning, and the way you do that today is you can text the word SERVE to this number, 317 350 0446. Wherever you are in your journey, if you just say, I'm ready to start serving, text uh, serve to that number and we'll help you get serving. You might be in a place where you say, well, I kind of know where I think I want to serve. Or you might be in a place where you say, I have no clue. I don't even know where to start. Wherever you are, just text the word serve to that number 317-350-0446 and we will help get you connected. The next thing, if you want to find your purpose, is to look under the hood and we have a class coming up here, a Discover Your Spiritual Gifts class, where you will learn your shape, your God-given shape. Your shape includes your spiritual gift, but it also includes your abilities and your personal experience, and it looks at you holistically to say, what has God wired you to do? And if you look in your program, um, you can see the information in this top right panel about our upcoming shape class where you can discover your spiritual gifts. Third way is to turn the key on the engine. And we've given you a way to do that today. So when you make your way out of this service in the lobby, you will see a number of our hosts who have been called by God to host here and make people feel welcomed, help people feel welcomed. And they're wearing welcome home t-shirts, kind of an olive green shirt that says welcome home on it. And they're all ready today to help you get serving. Uh, we've got volunteers out there from lots of our different ministries who can talk with you today about those opportunities. So what have we learned today? Very simply, we find our fulfillment when we discover and exercise the gifts God has given us. I want to pray that for you guys today. Would you stand together with me and let's close our time in prayer. Father, we are so thankful that you are a master engineer. And Lord, across this room, every person in here is loved by you even if they don't feel it. And every person in here has been handcrafted by you, and you have woven into them specific gifts, Lord, gifts that I don't have, gifts that other people in their lives don't have, but you have gifted them as teachers and as architects and as engineers and, and as moms and as school teachers. And Lord, in so many ways, you've given us skills and you've given us spiritual gifts in your body. And Lord, I know in my life, the fulfillment that I have experienced, there's no greater joy next to knowing you as Savior than to find what I was created to do 
and now to run in that path. And so I just pray that across this room, Lord, that, that anyone in here who feels like an orca whale trapped in a tank with a floppy, a floppy fin on the top, that today would be the day that they start to believe that there's a big ocean out there, there's a life of exploration and discovery, and it's all been master engineered by you, Lord. And as they step out to say, God, show me the good works you have for me, it will be fulfilling, it will help others, and eternity will be changed. People will be in heaven because of them. So Lord, would you just ignite the gifts in this room? Help us take this first step today, whether it's texting the word serve or seeing someone in the lobby or just believing in faith. God, you've put gifts in me and I'm gonna get intentional about figuring them out. Lord, grow us in you. You've, you, have, you have saved us so that we can walk in these good works. Would you just grow us as a church, grow us as individuals in our maturity? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.